Cool. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Peak Performance Humans. I'm here with a good buddy of mine, Jason Boone. Jason, thanks for being here, man. No problem, man. It's uh, it's an honor. It's been a while since we've uh, connected, but I'm glad to uh, have finally reconnected, and I'm looking forward to today's episode. Me too, man. Uh, I was glad we got to reconnect too. We, we played, uh, we went to college together at NYU, and we played basketball together there as well. Um, and that's part of the reason, I, the big reason I want to get Jason on, because one is I remember. Well, one is I always appreciated you being a great like leader. You're one of the leaders on the team when I came there, so I always thought it was really cool that you were like just a great leader, right? Like most leader, most people. They're just like trying to keep their territory and like fucking muscle up and be the alpha, right? But you, you were the alpha on the team, right? But you were like you were like a strong but awesome leader and you made everybody feel like they were welcome, right? But and that's the best way of leadership. I, I train leaders in companies, right? And that's the best way to lead people to to level up and go to the next level, man. So I just wanted to pop that out there for you real quick. I appreciate it. But but tell us about uh maybe real quick your two-minute story on kind of Maybe in the context of it's all about peak performance, right? So maybe kind of maybe your your basketball journey and kind of how you got to where you are and your mindset maybe even behind that kind of how you live your day. Sure, man. So, um, you know, I both my parents were in education, so um, I was always scholar athlete first. And I think that um, the mindset behind if you don't do well in school, you can't play sports. Um, that mindset knew that I knew that those things had to be paired together. Um, so on my journey throughout my sports career, I always kept the ability to learn new things. Um, and so I feel like from high school through college from college to professional, um, and now transitioning into life after basketball, there always was a sense of the two of those things working together. So, um, along with dedicating hours and hours upon my craft, I had to as well work on the mental side of things. I'm not yeah. a complete person if I'm not working on the mental or trying to figure out a way to be better both uh, mentally and physically. I think they uh, just have so much, there's such a, a great symbiosis between the two of them um, that, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of just been the driving force in what I feel like has been my success to this point. That's awesome, man. So you're, you're kind of in... As, as you're working on your, your athletic game, you're also working on your mental game as well. And, and you had a, a, a way a pr approach to do that at the highest level. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, for me, I mean, I, I honestly, I wish that I would have been taught more of it um, throughout my professional basketball career. Cause I felt like a lot of it, I had to kind of learn on my own. Um, yeah. I mean, coaches are, are coaching you up and they're telling you, you have to spend more time in the gym and you have to lift more weights. But um, as I started to get to the end of my career, I realized that if you want to have an advantage, um, psychologically, it makes a difference to, to be able to outsmart someone and not just yeah. outmark them or outwork them. Um, I started to pay attention to my, my sleep and my recovery and, and just the mental side of sport uh, and why training your mind the same way you train your body can lead you to be a high level athlete or a high achiever in anything that you do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I feel the same way. Like once I started learning more about the, the mindset kind of strategies I have now, I'm like, dude, I would have played like, cause my basketball game, it's not bad. In some ways it is better. Cause again, I'm playing smarter and I like just the way you move or even shooting is better. Cause I'm using my brain better. For shooting, So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So you can, uh, you know, you can, you can constantly work on your craft. You can, you can improve your jump shot. You can improve your vertical leap, but 
you know, spending time watching film, learning how other players are moving, learning the technique, yeah. and the footwork, and that, that comes from studying. And so being able to turn on the, you know, academic part of athletics for me was always key. And I think I always had those things uh, work hand in hand. And, you know, so I, I played at NYU. Yep. I, you know, uh, a very high level academic school. Um, and I was an All-American there. So at the same time that I'm doing well in the classroom, I am, uh, you know, performing well on the basketball court. And then that yeah. allowed me to have a chance to go play in Europe. Uh, and I ended up playing 12 years in Europe. So seven in Germany, two in Romania, one in France, one in Poland, one in Turkey. I kind of had a chance to bounce all around, be immersed in different cultures, learn from different kind of coaches. Um, you know, I had strength coaches that had backgrounds in soccer. I had strength coaches that had backgrounds in judo. I had basketball coaches that, um, you know, had coached women for years and then transitioned to men. I had um, coaches that were, you know, college, MBA, MBA or college in America come out and then, you know, train me in, in Europe. And so there was always these different learning curves. And so you had to always understand the, the teammates that you had. Yeah, how they communicated and then how I was communicating with the coach, because I felt like that was the thing that led us to have either a successful season or an unsuccessful season. Nice. Um, and yeah, tapping into all that and kind of seeing being intellectual about the approach that you took every day. Um, I felt like was something that really separated me from a lot of people while, while I was playing. Out there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So I focused a lot on mindset, right? So how did you, was there anything specific, any rituals or like thought patterns or processes you would go through, like maybe before a game or during a challenge situation or with a teammate or a coach, like any strategies you had? I'm sure you did, but. Yeah, so um, I had a coach, um, a strength coach when I played in Ludwigsburg, which was like Southern Germany, this guy, Benny, and he was one of the best coaches I've had um, throughout my whole career. And so I had, I got injured that season. Um, one of my best seasons to date and I tore my calf muscle probably about March of that season. And so yeah. he was the first, I was, I was, you know, in retrospect, I was upset that it happened. And I felt like, you know, it, in, in hindsight, it like, you know, could have cost me a, a bigger contract and then, you know, all the stuff that you think about after the fact, but the fact that it happened did, with, you did it in the game or in practice or what? It happened in the game. Yeah. We were playing this Russian team from St. Petersburg and I set a screen. It was like a normal, just like set a screen, turn to roll and just like on the twist of my leg, the, the guy who I set the screen on was kind of like falling down and like grabbed me to, to keep his balance. And I turned and pushed off and my leg, and I don't know, the muscle in my calf just tore right. I knew it right away. Um, so I'm out for six weeks at this point and the team, we were kind of like on the cusp of, we were going to make the playoffs, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be back in time to, to start the playoffs and the whole thing. And me and the other center were like splitting time, like 20 minutes a game. So we had to take on a bigger role that entire time I was out. And it was a, a, whole, a whole bunch of just like, I feel like I let the team down, kind of like mental anguish that you deal with when you feel like, um, you know, by you not being in there, you're costing your team the, the chance to, you know, potentially win a championship. Yeah. So um, in the, in the recovery phase, um, and trying to like work my way back into shape because there was things I couldn't do, you know, anything physical during that time because you use your, your calf muscles for, for everything, you're walking around every day. So right. um, he was the one that taught me about the breathing aspect of recovery. And so 
when I was coming back, I was dealing with, you know, I'm like I'm out of shape now all of a sudden and I'm trying to get in, in shape for the playoffs and I have to like get back and I have to, you know, and I'm like overworking myself. And he's like, something that you can do that'll be beneficial, that will give your body a rest as you're trying to like ramp up to come back is focus on your breathing. And so he yeah. taught me about a couple of different breathing techniques. And from that point on, I started to incorporate that in my everyday routine, whether it was pre-practice. I had, so we, I had like a breathing pa- uh, pattern pre-practice to like get myself going. So yeah. like a breath, like inhale, exhale, like quick in and out. I had a, like when I was in the game at the free throw line, kind of uh, um, breathing pattern. I had a, a post-game stretching pre-pattern. And so those patterns, learning the difference and what my body was doing internally helped me create more of a routine for the rest of my yeah. career so from you know 2015 to 2019 when I retired those four years I became the guy who was trying to pass that knowledge along because I saw how much that benefited me in that short amount of time and so then it became you know oh Jay Boone he's the guy who you know does his breathing and the stretching after practice or he's the guy that does his warm-up and his breathing before practice and so those kind of things being able to incorporate that uh, routine into everything that I was doing I felt like that was something that a separated me from other players, but also gave me, um, you know, that, that the, I would say the ability to go out and want to teach that to other people. And in teaching it, I had to understand it even better. So it forced me, it like reinforced me to learn it more so that I could then again, go out and like help other players with that same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Teaching is such a great way to learn things. Right. And I love that you're actually doing that, like passing it on and sharing it. Can you tell us, I know you said a little bit real quick what it was like, but can you tell us maybe one or two of those patterns that you would use? Uh, yeah, so before, practice, yeah so before practice, I had a, uh, so now I, I'm learning that it's, it's called coffee breath because it's supposed to you know, energize you, um, uh-huh. but it's just quick inhale and exhale. So, and so the inhale is what is supposed to like give you energy and then the exhale is supposed to give you focus. So you're just supposed to like lock in 30 seconds in and out a minute in and out two minutes and you would just go through that and that just that breathing pattern alone like people now some people do like the Wim Hof method yeah. where it's like hard inhale and hard exhale um and yeah. that gives you like that tingling sensation that gets your body just like up and ready to go yeah. um but yeah whether you're doing that you know to, to get a little energy before practice and, and not have to you know drink an energy drink or you know slug a coffee I had guys who would come into the locker room with a cup of coffee because they had to get you know ready to go to practice. And so it was the same kind of thing. I could get those same benefits of caffeine or of whatever through breathing. And when I started yeah. realizing like, oh, I can be healthier um, and get the same results, then at, at that point it was like, okay, what can I do to be even healthier to yeah. get those results or get better results and then incorporate that into my everyday routine. Um, Is that through, practice, the, that's through, that's through the nose or into the nose, out through the mouth or does it not matter? Uh, so I go in through the nose, out through the nose. Yeah, okay. um, you can also go in through the nose, out through the mouth, but you okay. just want to inhale through the nose. And then I have another breathing pattern. Um, it's the box breath. This is like so, used by the military a lot. So that's so the that, so that one real quick that you just said that could be good for like waking up in the morning and getting yourself going. If you want to get maybe not right away, you want to get leveled up, but whatever you want to get, or maybe when you go to work or to a meeting. Yeah, definitely. So I uh, I'm from the I'm cut from the cloth of getting up before work and working out. So I'm yeah. up at five thirty in the morning. I get down to the gym. And so the first like 15 minutes is like foam rolling and getting my body mobilized. But then before the workout, I will do that, uh, that breath for probably about three minutes. And then usually I'm just like, I feel ready to go. And then I can yeah. jump into workouts. 
Um, and then, yeah. And then throughout the course of the day, I will still, uh, piece in like a, a box breath where it's, um, you know, four or five second inhale, four or five second hold, four or five second exhale, and then four or five second hold again. Yeah. So like, that one definitely like locks me in. Um, I was working for a meditation startup, um, and they have a handheld device, uh, that will track and measure things like your heart rate variability and your heart rate. And so I always felt like what you can measure, you can improve. And so a having it like on my desk at work reminds me to like take a second to be mindful and just work on this meditational practice, but as well, um, you know, be able to say, Hey, listen, um, I know that based on how I feel today, my results may look like this and then starting to tap into and understand your body better and say, Hey, listen, I know, you know, I I'm not focused right now. I need to do something to, to help me focus or I'm a little bit focused right now. I need to do something to, to energize and knowing when to do the right things. Um, you know, that just comes from practice and, uh, you know, trying it more and more. Yep. That's huge, man. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. Can you tell us, um, uh, there was a couple things I want to ask you. Uh, let's tell me about, cause it was really impressive. Well, most people can't even play like high level athletics through even college. Right. But you went overseas. Right. And I know I have other friends that went overseas too, but they told me how great, like everything, right. Even college, right. It's like, up and down challenges with coaches and like getting through injuries like you had. So what gave you the resilience? Cause you played for 12 years. That's impressive, right? Like what gave you the resilience to, and I'm sure you had ups and downs, right? Like with all these different things. So what would you say gave you the resilience to, to kind of make it that long? That was awesome. Um, I mean, I credit my little brother for a lot of it. Uh, he had a chance to come out and visit me his senior year of college. So he was playing college basketball at a school in Pennsylvania. Um, and then for his Christmas break, he came out to visit. Right. So, um, you know, he's in the middle of his, of his college basketball season, but they get that week off for, you know, Christmas break. Um, but he wants to stay in shape. He wants to, you know, so I'm like, Hey, listen, you can come out here. You can visit me. We'll spend Christmas together. Um, the Germans, they do Christmas better than anybody. They have, these big, um, you know, outdoor Christmas markets where they sell all these handmade things. They have like hot wine that they sell. And you just kind of like are in this little group, you're eating these pretzels and these, sausages and you're just like having drinks and hanging out with the people in the town exactly um so that was a special time that i wanted to be able to have some people in my family share uh with me so i invited him out and came out he was working out with our basketball team um to stay in shape and you know he's a college player he's, he's you know running around dunking and, and feeling all good about himself and then i'm you know i'm like all right we'll go check you know our starting three men and have him you know bust your ass a little bit so um he kind of held his own and he was out there he was playing really well and so that kind of like opened his eyes to the fact that he could compete at that level. Yeah, um, yeah. So I got him a look from our like second division team. So I was playing in the first division at that point. He came out and the second division coach was like, hey, listen, we have some spots open. I saw your brother here working out last year. If he wants to come out, like I would, I would love to have him on our team kind of thing. So he came out, um, he lived with me for a year. And he worked out with and played with our second uh, team. And then he ended up, you know, going off on his own and playing a couple of years out there. Um, and so I always felt like having him come out that year was what made our bond tighter than most siblings. And so we were able to like experience a lot of things that most people, A, don't get to experience, but B, don't get to experience with someone that they like love and care about. So now our thing is like, we love to work out together. We love to like train each other. We love to 
talk about fitness and wellness and, and mental health and all the things that tie into like being a high performing person, you know, like whether it's as an athlete, whether it's as he's a third grade teacher right now, he's the best damn teacher I've ever seen. I always tell him like, I wish I had a teacher like you when I was in third grade, because I feel like you would change the trajectory of like my life in so many different ways. But, um, you know, transitioning into the business that I'm working for now, like being able to be the best version of yourself at whatever it is you're doing. And I think that you get that through building resiliency. So when things are tough, you naturally are going to say like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not enjoying this. This is not fun, but being able to, to gut it out. And I think that's something that sports, um, you know, teaches a lot of athletes is to say like, Hey, when you get hurt, when you're dealing with a coach that you don't like or a situation that is difficult for you, how are you going to get through that? And so I knew that I had my little brother who at this point is not so little anymore, but, um, is out there experiencing a lot of the same stuff that I'm experiencing. He's trying to make it from the second league to the first league. I'm trying to, you know, continue to do well in the first league as I'm getting older. And I knew that like having him out there in a very similar position, someone I could always go to, he kind of always gave me that little extra push to just get through some of those tough times. And I think in building that resiliency time after time, it just makes it a little bit easier each time that you deal with. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. And then before we kind of shift gears to the other stuff we wanted to cover, um, and we were talking about this a little bit, we were talking about like a well-rounded athlete and you were saying it's not just about weights and like, it's obviously it's important to put up your jump shots and get your, your training in, but then also we were talking about the mindset piece and the, the well-rounded part. So do you have any tips or thoughts you want to share on that piece? Yeah. Um, so that was kind of something that I took a personal deep dive on uh, towards the end of my career as I was just trying to optimize um, my performance. I wanted to, you know, perform at 32 like I did at 25. And I was like, yeah. okay, I know that right now it's not about spending hours and hours in the gym. Like I need to, to be mindful about my recovery or how much I'm sleeping or what I'm actually eating and putting in my body. So I started to go on these, you know, different, basically trial and error. I tried keto for a while. I tried carnivore, not really carnivore, but I tried, you know, like low, low carb. I tried whole 30. I tried vegan for a while. I tried um, intermittent fasting. And so I kind of tr- picked and cho- and picked and was able to choose what worked best for me, how I felt my best, and yeah. then incorporate like, okay, how do I feel if I get six hours of sleep and take a nap during the day or eight hours of sleep? Am I like too groggy if I sleep for 10 hours? Because sometimes those practices, they'll, they'll kick your butt and you could sleep for 10 hours. But sometimes if I slept too long, then I'd be too groggy and, and couldn't wake myself up. So if I yeah. slept 10 hours, what kind of breathing pattern would I have to do to wake? And so I kind of found this, I had to like go through this trial and error and figure out what worked best for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, yeah. So just tapping into, you know, sleep and recovery was, was huge for me. The mental health side of it was even like bigger um, yeah. tapped into, you know, training my mind, like I'm training my body. Um, and then, yeah, the nutrition aspect of it, um, that all kind of tied into being your, your best and most optimal athlete. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Let's, let's, uh, well, since you're talking about training your mind, I know you told me about the cool meditation, uh, course or program you went through. Yep. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, when I, when I finished my career, I was, um, you know, trying to figure out something to get into and, you know, I had a little bit of money saved up and I'm like, I don't have to just like get a job right now. Yeah. Just because like, I want to do something that is meaningful and I want to do something that's impactful and I want to work for, uh, you know, a company or a corporation that, um, is kind of just on brand with who I am as a person. So I, 
I took some time and I, and I you know, did my research and I discovered um, that an, a friend of mine from NYU was launching a meditation company um, up in San Francisco. I was living in LA at the time. And uh, so I, I wanted to get involved in some way, shape or form. And she got me a job with the social media department. And so I was working for this meditation um, company because they actually had a, they built out a meditation studio, like an actual place that you can go and meditate. They yeah. have a handheld device. They launched an app and, you know, so it was like a product, an app and an actual like brick and mortar location all at once. Um, and this is, you know, pre-COVID. So obviously things got a little bit crazy, but um, the fact that I was able to learn more about just mental health in general and, and what kind of things people suffer from and, and why some top performing athletes or, you know, CEOs or people that, you know, ha are looked at as, somewhat successful have, have gotten yeah. some success or people look up to like i want to be like that yeah what is kind of separating them in terms of like their mental approach to things yeah. and, and are they training their mind the same way they're training their body you know like yeah. i've seen you know these people are reading this many books a day or this many books a month or these kind of things but i'm like okay what are they actually practicing every day and so i was kind of on this journey to learn about you know what kind of things can i do to optimize my performance both um you know at at work with my relationship, with my relationship with food, with my relationship with my family and my friends, uh, with the relationship with myself. And I think that, um, you know, going on that journey and learning like everybody can benefit from meditation. Um, I can be more present when I'm, you know, having a conversation with someone and not just on my phone or thinking about, you know, what I got to do when I get home. Yeah. That allowed me uh, a sense of, I would say, a different level of compassion, a different level of empathy. And I was able to take that, um, not only with other people, but with myself. Yeah, that's cool. What would you say to people who are like on the fence about it or like, like athletes that are like, I don't need that. Right. I don't want to waste my time. Like, what would you say to them if they about that? Yeah. I mean, they're missing out, man. I, I, um, you know, I can only speak from personal experience, but I know yeah. that, um, you know, if, if you get frustrated or you get fouled, I, I always had a, a problem, you know, sinking free throws in the fourth quarter. And I, you know, I was never the greatest free throw shooter, but I couldn't leave the gym at practice until I made 20 in a row. So every day for 10 months, I'd make 20 in a row. I'd right. get in the game, I'd go two for five, and I'm, now my percentage is at 40%. I'm like, I, like, I can make these shots. Like, what is going on? And, you know, I had a coach that was watching the film, and he was like, listen, you're missing your first free throw every time you go to the free throw line because they're fouling you so like at, at the end of practice you're tired but you get into your routine you just shoot and it's muscle memory you just shoot and then you watch a couple go in and then the rest of them just start flowing in the game you're going up to dunk it and you're getting fouled so hard and you are so angry at that point and your shot is different that first shot is different and then when you see that first shot miss now you're thinking about why that one missed and you're overcompensating he's like i've watched you make 200 free throws in a row over the course of a week straight. Like there's no reason that you can go to the line and brick the first one and then be short on the second. Like that's not, that's, you're not, that's not a physical thing. That's a mental thing. And right. so it took me 10 of my 12 years to be able to figure out like, okay, this is why you're not shooting your free throw right. But that's not a, a practice thing. That's not a physical, yeah. thing. it's a mental thing. You need to go back and you need to, and that's a, a thing that you learn from the mental aspect of it. You don't need to lift more weights to be a better free throw shooter or lift less weights. It's not a physical thing. So there are benefits to be seen um, in the mental side of whatever it is that you're doing. And you just yep. need to be able to, to have someone either
coach you through that or you need to go out and learn that information yourself. But it's yeah. definitely there to be done. So you found that useful. And then also with the breathing, right? I know you had a breathing ritual. That, that was useful when you, you have all this adrenaline after you got fouled and you're about to dunk it, right? And then you just were able to... And also if you look at the brain waves, right? We go from like alpha, beta, theta, gamma, all these different like levels, right? Exactly. In a basketball game with all this adrenaline and all this testosterone, right? It's pretty cool that you can do that. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's a trick. And I think that a lot of people, you know, you, you watch these, these guys who shoot, you know, 80, 90% from the free throw line. They're at every, every time they go to the free throw line, it's the same thing. It's that like yeah. deep breath. And it's that, you know, get the ball here, set it, think about something or lock into something and just focus. You need like that laser focus. And you can't be worried about what the coach is yelling. You can't be worried about, you know, this guy not boxing out or how hard you got fouled or what that girl in the, in the stands is wearing. Like you have to be able right. to lock in on whatever it is that you're doing. And that laser focus is the thing that I think um, if I would have been training it my entire career, I could have seen something different happen, but I didn't learn about that till too late in my career to really apply it to my basketball career. So I told myself, I'm going to apply that same kind of laser focus to whatever it is that I do next. And right. so now that I'm transitioning out of basketball and into, you know, sales and, and life after basketball, um, you know, I'm trying to bring that same aspect of wanting to get better every day. Um, but then understanding what it takes to be good at that, learning from all the people that have done it. Um, and then yeah, trying to apply that every day. That's cool. So before we shift to, to what you just said, life after basketball, and ask a couple more th things about meditation real quick. One is, um, do you, do you, do you still have a ritual or practice around it today that you do? And if so, like, what is that? hundred percent. So, um, yeah, so I have this like handheld device, um, yeah. that is the company that I was working for. It's cool. Yeah. Meditation. Um, and so again, so like I will, I didn't, this, what, what's it this called? Little, What'd you say? Uh, core meditation. Core med okay, cool. Yeah. So hello core is the name of like all their social media, whatever. Um, and it's cool because like as an athlete, it gives you a chance to track and measure what you're doing in, in that session. So I can, yeah. at the end of the session, I can like go into my phone and I can see like, okay, your heart rate variability was, was this much, which is based on your baseline was more or less today. And so, um, you know, I, I keep it right on my desk when I, when I go to work, I, I use it before I work out, I use it before I go to bed. And so, you know, I'm on there basically three times a day. Um, uh, and I have different breathing practices for different parts of the day based on what I want to accomplish. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's been super helpful to this point. And just as an athlete, having that like competitive mindset, I always just want to get a little bit better at stuff. Yeah. So if I know that, you know, listen, I wasn't that focused at this session, then internally I'm trying to like make it so that I focus a little bit more the next one. So I think yeah. that's just a cool, a cool thing rather than just like sitting at your desk with your hands on your lap and like focusing on, you know, the, the candle or, or the computer screen or something like that. Yeah. This gives you an actual chance to like measure. And they always say like what you can measure, you can improve. Yep. That's a good point. Yeah. And that's what brought me back to, I love what you said before earlier, testing and tri trial and error, right? A lot of like life is testing, right? And, but then it's measuring and because if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. Like you just said, so that, that's huge. Definitely. Can you, what's a tip or yeah, what's a tip for anybody that might want to get into meditation or start doing it? What would you recommend them to kind of start easy? So everybody's on their own journey. Um, I would say just take a minute and try to just be present in whatever it is you're doing. Like people always think like meditation is, yeah. you know, I have to like sit Indian style on, on the floor and, and have music playing and, and all this kind of stuff. 
meditation is just being present. So it's not the absence of like the absence of thought. Like you can't just like clear your mind and not think of anything. It's the ability to like have your mind to focus on one thing, have your mind wander and then be able to bring it back to whatever it is that you're trying to focus on. Yeah. And that's, and that's meditation. So I've, you know, I've told, I've told people, listen, when you brush your teeth, don't think about what you ate for breakfast or what you're, you know, doing for, um, you know, your significant other the next day, like just focus on the bristle touching your teeth and just do that for two minutes as you brush your teeth. And that's meditation. That is meditation in itself. So being able to be present in that moment, that will change your perspective with everything else. And then, you know, I'm, I'm having a conversation with you. I had to like get some work stuff done. I turn off all my notifications and I'm like fully present in this conversation. I'm not thinking about, you know, what I got to do for dinner or, you know, what my girlfriend said to me before she left for work. And like, none of that stuff matters right now. I am like fully locked in this. And I think that because I'm able to do that and I practice that daily, it has made me a better listener, a better son, a better brother, a better, you know, coworker, a better everything. I can like see, um, you know, like I'm, I'm an intermittent faster, right? So I have hours where I don't eat or consume any calories. And then it comes time to, for me to feed. And then it's like, um, I can be like ravenous. Like I just want to like rip open the chips and the fruit and the whatever. I'll just eat anything that's in front of me. And I think meditation has allowed me to, you know, slow down and just like not indulge in those things that like, I feel like I can't control. And just like, hey, I'm going to take deep, three deep breaths before I eat anything. And yeah. I'll just sit there, the food will be in front of me. And the ability to just take those three deep breaths is meditation. And that I'll be better because of that. You know, it's not yeah. like I'm mindlessly eating or I'm sitting on the couch and just like, you know, a handful of, of cashews and almonds or, you know, bowl of fruit after bowl of fruit. Like I'm, you know, I can actually be present and like put everything else away and like focus on what I'm doing. I think that you'll start to see that translate into other things in your life. And then you'll start to, you know, use that momentum to kind of see how much better the practice of meditation can make your life. Yep, dude, that's huge. I love that you said it about food. I was doing it about around working out like that. I kind of did a, not a while ago, but maybe since like three years, I started to be more mindful about my workouts, not like just trying to get reps in. And I would just like literally just be really slow and just feel everything. Right. And kind of like yoga. Uh, but I love you said about food because food too, like most people, myself included, like we eat a lot of times for emotional reasons. And also I do intermittent fasting too. So sometimes when I'm like, I'm hungry and I start eating, I just go into a, I go, I go like hypnotized. I'm just like animal, right? So it's like, just calm, breathe for a second and like be present and like, like bless the food, appreciate the food, whatever you want to do. And that's really cool too, man. That's a great one. I love that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been big for me. You know, I'm, I'm an overeater by nature. And so I know that sometimes if I, if I start mindlessly eating, it's going to be, I'm going to look down and be like, I just eat, you know, yeah. avocados and six eggs, whole <laughs> steak. And I'm just like, damn, like, <laughs> you know, that's supposed to be food for the whole week kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely one of the benefits that I've seen. That's all. I wasn't going to ask you about this, but since you brought up, I'll ask you real quick before we talk about, uh, uh, the work stuff and everything in business and professional, but intermittent fasting, like what do you, what are your normal windows and like, how's that going for you? So I typically will go about 19.5. So I eat kind of oh. all of my calories in like a five hour window. Um, and then wow. okay. I've a great, yeah. So I've gotten to the point where, so during, I started when I was playing basketball and I didn't think I'd be able to do it. So I kind of like had to tough through that like one hump, probably like a two week period where it was kind of like, oh man, I don't, I don't feel good at practice kind of thing. But 
once I got over that hump and my body kind of got adapted and used to it, um, I've never felt better. It's something that like I will tell anybody that will listen the benefits that I've seen from intermittent fasting. And people what, are just like, I what did you decide to do it for basketball? Um, I mean, honestly, it was like it was for a number of health benefits. So I knew that like I wanted to just be on a, a, a more succinct pattern of like when I went to the bathroom, how I felt before the game, how I felt after the yeah. game. I think that, um, you know, I was just carrying a little bit of extra weight. I was always a bigger, um, you know, muscular back to the basket kind of player, like a, a bruiser. I wanted to just like beat people up and, and yeah. foul people hard and just like, you know, shoulder in the chest and just kind of like I wanted to like knock people around and then basketball um, fans that want contact Jason's like kind of like Charles Barkley exactly body exactly. like fucking body people up yeah 100%. yeah so I wanted I like I wanted to like impose my will on people and so as I was getting older carrying that extra weight was like it was hurting my knees and my ankles and my back and I just could feel and so I I started to intermittent fast as a way to just like keep calories down I knew that um, I was never going to be the guy who ate like six small meals a day. I was yeah. still going to eat the calories I was going to eat at each meal. So instead of eating three meals a day, I was going to try to just eat two meals a day. So it started with like skipping breakfast or like having breakfast just be like a piece of fruit and then just lunch and dinner. And then I would have a bigger lunch and a smaller dinner. And then I went to having like just lunch and no dinner. And then one meal a day, like wasn't really cutting it. So then it was like, how can you strategically you know, break your fast to where you're getting the most health benefits and you're like feeling the best in terms of your digestive system. You don't yeah. eat anything for, you know, 23 hours, you have one big meal and you don't eat anything, any, eat anything again for 23 more hours, you're going to feel a little like off in your stomach. So it became like, okay, how can I break this fast the right way to, you know, spike my insulin, but then feed myself as the insulin's coming back down. So like, this again, was like all stuff I learned on my own that I was never yeah. taught by a coach or anything. And so it was just practical application. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. This makes me feel good. This doesn't make me feel good. And then it was just like getting into the, to the groove of it. And now, you know, I know that if someone brings, you know, donuts or whatever in the office and I have some food in this window, I can eat earlier in the day and I can go longer periods without eating. I can be on a plane and they can be serving me some bad food that I don't really want. And I can be okay for eight hours, not eating. And like, yeah. it's just like a, another mental thing as well. I feel, I feel like fasting is people that like think they can't yeah. do it. Being able to do it is something that like you can teach your mind how to do. And that's like, that's meditation in itself. Well, absolutely, man. Very cool. And then the last, I want to ask you this, because a lot of people have misunderstandings around this. Like people think, Oh, I need to eat this amount of food or this much per day, or I can't fast or I'm going to lose my muscle. Right. But you're obviously big and strong still and have muscle. Right. So tell kind of, but if you agree, right. Can you bust that myth for people that might, cause I, even people that like I'm more plant-based, I still eat meat once in a while. Cause I feel like it sometimes, but I try to limit it, yep. but still like I still have my muscle and stuff too. And I used to think that too. I'm like, Oh, I need to eat like steak and all this stuff. But tell, tell us about that. I mean, all protein comes from plants, so you gotta worry yeah. about that. But yeah, and then so people that think that like, I'm just gonna shrivel up and, and lose everything if I don't eat in a certain amount of, that's, I like, so me, for my body type, I know that it's so hard for me to like lose weight anyway, that I would like, no matter if I went 20, I've like, the longest I've gone is like 66 hours with no food at all. And that was like a full like three day reset. I'm not gonna have any calories. And like towards the end, I was like a little bit, you know, grumpy and a little bit like lack of energy, but I've like, I, I felt like my body that at that point, I felt like my body was actually depleted of every kind of 
nutrient, micronutrient. And that's not a way you want to be walking around every day. But the, the 24 hour window, I've like gone 24 hours without eating a couple of times. And you get to this point where your body taps into the autophagy, like your body taps into autophagy, which means that it's like a cellular cleanup, I would say. So your body's in this like frantic, you know, stressed state where it's like, I don't know when I'm getting this next meal. I'm going to start getting rid of things that my body doesn't need because I'm going into like protection mode. And so the good cells will consume the bad cells for energy and, and your body will start to like clean itself up. And yeah. I think that there's like a, a feeling that you get coming out on the other side of that, that I sh like strive to get to. And so I like love feeling that way. I like, I, that's like a addiction for me. I like want to get to that point where I'm like, you know, I'm on cruise control and I just, I feel good. I don't feel bogged down. Um, I don't feel like foggy in my mind. Um, and yeah, and that comes on the other side of like having your body clean itself up essentially. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Cool. Let's shift gears. So uh, I love what you're talking about and I kind of take the same approach, right? You're, I forgot specifically what you said, but just kind of like taking the same approach you took to athletics, to, to, to life and to business and to work. And like I said, uh, trying to get better every time we're practicing. Yeah. Uh, so I know right now you're working with a cool, purposeful company. Uh, tell us about that and kind of what you're doing and kind of maybe your approach to how you're doing your, your professional life. Yeah. So uh, I'm working for this company called Thanks. It's a relationship building platform um, that allows users to like digitally send something thoughtful. So based on the conversation that you're having, uh, you know, you can, you know, if, if I know that someone has their car broke down, I could send them Uber rides for a week kind of thing. Or, um, you know, someone had to miss a meeting or cancel a meeting because they were feeling sick or they had to go to surgery, something like that. I could send them a bowl of soup from their favorite local restaurant to just say, I hope you feel better or like a, a get well bear to just say like, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I want you to feel better. So based on the conversation that you're having, it just allows you this like extra level of personalization and to be able to just like help some put a smile on someone's face. And so yeah. for me, that was kind of my <clears throat> MO throughout my career, being away from people for so long, I found myself doing things like, um, you know, scrolling to the bottom of my text message log on my phone, seeing who's down there that I haven't talked to in a while and just sending them a message to say, Hey, what's up? I'm thinking about you. I hope you're well. So-and-so reminded me of you this, you know, sometimes I just make it up like, Hey, I heard this song. It reminded me of you. Or I think back to a memory that like we had together and I would just shoot them a message and say, Hey, kind of thing. Um, and so people that now know for the, the company that I'm working for are just like, Oh, that's so on brand with like who you are as a person. Like, you know, our company makes money because people want to say thank you. That's in its simplest form. That's what it is. And so, you know, the first lesson that you're taught growing up, whether it was your parents, your grandparents, your older brother, someone taught you to say thank you, please and thank you, you know. And so um, our company is now positioning itself to do very well because you can't have this like face to face interaction with people due to the pandemic. Um, but you want to stay on people's minds and you want people to know that you're thinking about them. And so we allow people to, um, you know, stay top of mind or, you know, move deals through the pipeline a little bit quicker or, um, you know, again, just put a smile on someone's face. And I think that that's a very underrated, um, undervalued, you know, thing in this society right now. And I think that uh, if I can help people have a system and a platform to put smiles on people's faces, then I'm doing what I can, um, you know, to make this world a better place, whether it's 
you know, some lofty goal that you have. I just think that I want people to be feeling their best every day. So, um, you know, until I open this, you know, world-class fitness facility that has, you know, meditation and, and workout facilities and, and um, you know, a place to go to, to get recovery and a healthy meal. Like that's, you know, that's the vision down the road. But um, yeah, until I can just open a place where people can go and like become their best self, yeah. I know that putting a smile on someone else's face is going to make, you know, my immediate circle or people that I'm interacting with feel better. And so that's one of the, the big reasons why I joined the company that I'm at now. I love that, man. That's huge. And I think it's cool. It's cool because it takes away the friction from doing, because a lot, I want to get, send thanks to people and like nice things, but it's like, I got to do this thing, then that thing, then that thing. And then I have like 50,000 other things to do. I'm like, all right, let me, it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, so you like, like hunt down their physical address or something like that, or you yeah. have to, you know, like, and so our platform allows you to just send it right to their emails or to their phone number and then they get it right there and then they could punch in where they, you know, where it's sent to and those kind of things. We try to make, we try to take the difficult parts out of just a very simple gesture. We want, we want you to be able to say thank you in a very unique and, and cool way. And we want you to, to, to be able to do it with someone in that moment based on that conversation. So that's yeah. kind of what the platform has enabled people to do. I love that. That's awesome. Cool. Can you tell us about, um, how, how you perform at a high level and what you're doing now, right? Cause you're, you're talking to people, you're putting all this energy. Um, and I like also, I love that you talked about, again, you are taking that approach that you learned from basketball and things like that and the meditation in this as well. Like I forgot the words you said, but can you tell us about that? Yeah. So for me, man, it's, um, I would say that the biggest thing is, uh, so I, I, I'm going to kind of tie it back to what I would tell the like younger basketball players that were, that were coming along. Yeah. I have like, you know, did a, a, a speech at a basketball camp or if I had some young guy in the locker room who was like, how, how have you done it so long? I always tell them that like, there were these three C's that I like, I spent a lot of time focusing on. So you have to always be coachable, right? You have to, once you think that you know everything, you have to like understand yeah. that you don't and there's someone that you can like learn from always. So I'm always trying to learn, right? That for me is like a big part of it. I have my schedule set up, I have my routine every day, but I always make time every week to try to like learn something new that I didn't know before. Whether it's like tomorrow I'm doing a, a LinkedIn, uh, a best, the best way to optimize your LinkedIn profile. Something yeah. that like, I'm just setting aside time to do to just like better myself, right? That's awesome. Yeah. I have to stay competitive because I feel like I'm, I'm like a very competitive person. I like want to be the best at what I do. My girlfriend and I play like crossword puzzle every night. We have different times. We try to like we compete every night. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, and if I lose, then I'm busting out like, guess who or Scrabble or something. I like, I have, I can't like go to bed if I've like lost and she had drives her crazy. But um, yeah, so like you have to stay competitive with yourself and with others. So you like want to be better for the team, but you want to be better for yourself. Right. Um, and then, yeah. And then it's um, just staying consistent. I think it's doing it a little bit every day, just staying on it and trying to get a little bit better every day. Um, and I, I try to just bring those things in. I took them from basketball and I try to just apply them into my everyday life now. So whether yeah. um, or not, it's like, hey, what did this other sales person do this month? Like, I'm going to try to beat that by one. Or, yeah. you know, hey, I like, or like, hey, I, I want to learn from what they did at the same time. So I can be coachable. I can be competitive. Um, or I can just consistently try to get better. Like, hey, what, what can I do today to be a little bit better than tomorrow? And so it's just like yeah. building those things. Um, and then for me, honestly, it's like setting ground boundaries. So. Um, when I'm not at work, I'm trying to like shut work off and I'm trying to be present. You know, when I get home with my girlfriend, I'm trying to like 
be present with her. When I'm in the weight room, I don't have my phone open. Um, you know, I'm not answering emails and taking calls. I'm like, I'm working out. So those yeah. kind of things, I just like, I set those boundaries. So when I'm at work and focused on work, not, you know, I, my girlfriend will call me and say, Hey, listen, you know, you got to call the furniture company because the couch is not here. I say, all right, I'll do it at the end of the day. I'm not doing, it. I'm like focusing on work or I'll like, when I go to the bathroom, I'll like take 10 minutes and I'll just like focus on the furniture. But like when I'm focusing on work, I have to focus on work. And so, um, yeah, bringing that sense of setting boundaries into, you know, those three C's that I mentioned before is definitely the tips and tricks that I would give, um, you know, yeah. anybody that'll listen. I love that. That's awesome, dude. And then finally, what do you do? A lot of people don't like sales or aren't good at sales because they have the wrong thoughts about it or meaning about it. They think it's like a pushy salesperson or I'm trying to, I'm always trying to sell you, which most people are, which a lot of bad salespeople out there, right? But I think you have a good approach, right? Like how do you approach sales and what does sales mean to you too, by the way? So I watched my dad uh, do sales my whole life. Um, yeah. I never thought that I, you know, I necessarily would be a salesperson, but um, I think it's beneficial for me right now because I feel like I'm really helping people solve a problem that yep. they're having. And yep. so, um, you know, in this in this world right now where we're all so connected but so disconnected, you know, everybody's on the phone, everybody, you know, attention span is is, you know, the the fact that you can get people to listen to. 30 minutes of me rambling is like impressive. Whoever will get to the end of this part right here, I applaud you because you've sat through 30 minutes and you focused on a conversation. Even if it was a plane in the car or it was in the background, you got to this point and you're paying attention right now, then that you should, you should like give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being able to, again, um, have that focus in whatever it is that, you, that you're doing. For me, like that is, that's it in, in a nutshell. I don't, I don't know how else to, describe the benefit of being able to, you know, have that focus in whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. And I think you said a good thing uh, about, it's about sales. It means service, right? In Latin, it stands for selja and it's about serving. And I know it sounds cheesy and cliche, uh, but that's, it's really about serving the client and, and people's needs. And the cool thing too is, this is going to sound maybe lame too, but it's like everybody's in sales, right? You got to sell yourself to get up at five in the morning to go to the gym right? Or you got to sell your girlfriend to do something that you want to do with her, right? Go out on a date or go play Scrabble or this, right? Definitely. And I think that, yeah. And as you start to see, you know, um, as you start to see, as I've started to see what my dad did throughout my whole life, um, and then start to just apply those lessons into sales, it makes it so that, yes, I am solving some of the problem or fixing their pain point a little bit. Um, but you're just, you're providing a solution. So it's actually listening to them, being present in that moment, listening, asking them questions about what it is that they're struggling with and then being able to show why, what it is that you're selling can help them with that. And if you, if you can solve a problem for someone, they will always be willing to pay for it. So I take that approach. I know that the product can essentially sell itself. So I'm, I, I was fortunate in the sense that like I could, basically just learn the product well enough and not even have to be that good of a salesperson yeah. to sell this product. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started to see some success in this job. I haven't been on there long, but I've, I'm already seeing, you know, with the holidays coming up, people wanting to, you know, Hey, I, I need a solution for celebrating my employees or, or, or gifting to my, you know, direct team or, you know, big corporations that want to, you know, use this for their sales team going forward, but they want to 
take time to appreciate the work that people have done, whether it's, you know, in an office or from remote. And these companies are, are willing to, to do that. They have budgets that they've set for other things that they haven't been able to use this year. And they're just like, I can keep that or I can, you know, redistribute that to people that have like kept this company going. And so yeah. a lot of people are shifting towards wanting to show that appreciation. And I think that thanks has positioned themselves to, you know, to capitalize on that, but um, not without people just wanting to say thank you. And I think yep. that as long as that's something that people still want to do, then, you know, we have a chance to, <laughs> to be around for a long time. I love that. That's awesome. You mentioned your dad a few times. Uh, can you tell what's a, what's a lesson or a, uh, a takeaway that I'm sure there's a lot of them, right? But uh, any, any kind of things that pop up that he taught you that uh, stick with you today? I mean, the biggest thing I think that I learned from him, man, is just be a good person. I think, yeah. uh, you know, he kind of, he, he had to be tough on us. I think a little bit, my brother and I, just because, you know, we're, we're guys, we're black men, we're growing up in, in the city and there's lessons that like I didn't appreciate as a 15 or 14 year old that I do now. I don't have kids. Uh, I'm not at that point in my life, but I'm understanding a lot of the lessons that he taught me. And I think yeah. that, you know, sometimes it's, it's not like as a, as a black man in America today, you have to be a little bit better than your white counterpart. And so like, I think he kind of instilled in me this, like this drive to want to be my best self early and in a very different way than like I probably do it now. But I think the, the idea of that is like centered around just, you know, saying please, saying thank you, um, you know, holding doors for, you know, people when they walk into play, like little things like that, that I feel like have gotten me to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm playing for a, a basketball team in Europe and I have to go into this like VIP meeting with all these sponsors after the game. And I hold the door for one of my sponsors' wives and he was like, that, that's so nice of you. And I'm just like, yeah. that's normal for me. Like I, my dad always made me hold the door for people when they were. And so like, and then that led to a conversation where, um, you know, fast forward a year and a half later, I'm really good friends with their son and we're spending, you know, summers in villas in Italy. And it was just like a thing where it was like, that guy's a really nice person. And like, and so he's someone that like, I want my son to, to learn from. He's his favorite basketball player because he's dunking and blocking shots and do all this stuff. But like, he's also a good person. He's not some just like cocky asshole, you know, basketball player who doesn't, you know, take the time to hold the door for my wife. And so like, it's little things like that, that I've seen the benefit of down the road that I'm just like, oh, that wasn't even that hard. And I just know that like, that comes from every time I didn't hold the door for somebody, my dad would slap me in the back of the head. Like, hey, well, I taught you better than that. And so like, those are the lessons that you, that stick with you and that you just like, you know, my girlfriend now is like, when you sit on the recliner and you, and you play music on Sundays, you, you remind me of your dad. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm like becoming my father. And so there, there are some things that like, I'm just like, I can't, I don't want to do that. But a lot of the things that like, you know, he taught me, I feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm benefiting from today for sure. That's awesome. I, I didn't plan on asking you this, but is there anything you want to talk about, say about being, being a black man in America today with all the things going on? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, for me, especially um, having lived in Europe for the last 12 years, mm -hmm. I came back to America probably at the toughest time because yeah. I got back, um, you know, and, I, and I, was, I was here for a couple months and then I was living in LA and Kobe died, right? And I was like, holy oh, shit. Wow. You were there for that. Wow. It okay. be any worse. Like this is, yeah. this is as bad as it gets. It was like, it was like someone took the air out of the city of LA and I was just yeah. like, 
coach. And as a basketball player, like I, you know, I was like, I was working for the meditation company at that point. I was writing a blog for them. And I'm just like, I never was like the biggest Kobe fan as a basketball player because I always like Shaq and they had their little beef and I'm from New York and LA, you know, the whole thing. So, um, I, but I respected the fact that he grew up in Europe. He spoke multiple languages. He was, you know, he was, and he was thriving in life after basketball Yeah, the way that I wanted to. So I was like taking a liking to Kobe, the man and the father more than I was the basketball player. But a lot of the lessons that he had, um, you know, as black mama and getting into this like different mindset. Like I loved all that shit. I like, I couldn't get enough of that. So um, as I really started to like take a liking to him, that happened. And then I was like, shit, you know, I was like deflating. Like I went to the memorial service at at the Staples Center and I'm just like, I'm like engulfed in this feeling of just like, you know, like, fuck. And then, um, you know, and then fast forward a couple months, now COVID hits, everything is shutting down. so, you know, worldwide pandemic, I'm home for the first time. I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, people are out of work and I'm not working. I'm like figuring out this next move. And then you start to see all this like social injustice going on. And so yeah. I'm just like, I'm dealing with a lot of stuff mentally. And yeah, I think yeah. that it was just fortunate that I was working for a company that, um, you know, had me tap into what can I do to get out of these, these funks, these mental funks, these conversations that I'm, I'm constantly having as a black man, and as a black man that has a lot of non-black friends. So people, I'm like, you know, the middle person between, um, you know, a lot of my, you know, white or, you know, non-black friends and the black culture. And so, you know, they're like, you know, you, you could never be George Floyd because you would never be having counterfeit money. And I'm like, well, what if, I, but I am a black man. I could be pulled over. I could be Philando Castile or Ahmaud Arbery, I can, I would be running on the street or driving in a car and get shot or, yeah. you know, man up on those kind of things will happen to, to black men. So, um, yeah, it, it was a tough, tough year to sift through mentally, but, um, I like the place that I'm in now. And I know that like, it's going to continue to be work. I know that, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to volunteer with a lot now being in Tennessee, the volunteer state, I'm trying to tap into some places that I can just like go donate my time or donate some money and just like try to empower you know, black organizations and stuff like that, spend my money with black owned businesses, those little kind of things that I'm just trying to do more now than I ever have before and kind of encouraging other people to do. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, hopefully we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few years with, um, you know, getting loans and starting businesses, those kind of things. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a thing where, you know, you got to take it a day at a time and just kind of see, see how it ends up. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it's definitely, it's a long game, right? Even if there's a law that magically changed, like it's not, it's people's mindsets that need to slowly, it's consciousness, right? A lot of people aren't conscious human beings yet, unfortunately, but uh, what are, what are maybe, and it's, I'm not trying to simplify to make it like a simple thing, but a lot of people like don't know what to do, right? But they might want to contribute and make things better. And I know it's a hard thing to answer, but what are like three simple or even one or two simple things that people can do if they want to be proactive and contribute to making this uh, a solution. I like what you said about being proactive about uh, black business owners, which I, I like to do too, uh, for sure. But any, any other thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, um, you know, a lot of the, the microaggressions that people deal with, like having, having to, don't go to your black friend to get whatever question you want answered because we sometimes don't know the answer either. So I would say for people that have that, you know, they don't know what to do, 
the best thing that you can do is go figure out what to do. There are things okay. to be done. Um, but I think that a lot of the times it is, uh, you know, I'm going to ask someone what they would rather have me do. So for me, yeah. I would say it starts with, you know, financial gain. So I think a lot of the issues that people of color have had, whether it was coming off from war and, and not being, uh, not having the same, like, HOA loans available to buy houses and, and fast tracks to like build wealth. Those kind of things like you can't make up for in, you know, going and buying a, a donut from a black owned donut shop instead of Dunkin' Donuts kind of thing. Like that's not going to, but, um, you know, repeatedly trying to help black businesses over time, those kind of things are going to pay off. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's kind of the first uh, thing that I would say that you can do. Um, and then just, it comes down to like doing the research for your, you know, local DA and, and, you know, voting against things like, you know, laws that like lock black people up at a higher clip than, than non-black people. Like based on the area that you're in, there's a lot of things that like can be done. It just, it takes work. And so people that are like, are willing to do work have to figure out first what that best work is and then consistently do that over time. Right. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I think a lot of, well, solution to most problems is education, right. And doing the work and doing the research on how you can make the difference. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about, well, maybe mindset performance, uh, thanks, maybe get involved with that. And if they want to hire get you guys for their company, how can so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, black Hercules 21 is my right. handle. So you can connect with me on any of the socials, um, okay. on you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, probably on Instagram the most, um, I got that blue check. So I was like, let me start utilizing this a little bit. That was one of the cool things about playing pro in, in Europe is they had, uh, they reached out to the team manager and they were like, Hey, listen, we want to, you know, verify all you guys on Instagram. So, um, yeah, so I probably use that one the most, but, uh, yeah, any, any way that you want to connect, I'm always down to have a conversation. I'm always down to, you know, tap into some people that want to improve their mental, you know, capability or, you know, resilience, those kind of things. I, I love having those conversations, uh, yeah. anything, around wellness and health. So yeah, hit me up. And, um, and if you're interested in, in learning more about thanks, you can do that as well. Um, you know, but even if you don't want to sign on as a client, I would say, call your mom, say thank you to people and just, you know, try to be a good person. Yeah. I love that. That's a great note to end on. Thank you, brother. Thanks for sharing all that information, man. It was awesome. You got it. I appreciate the time, bro. Absolutely, man.